0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Crop Talk. I'm your host, Thad Stoffer, and joining me on this episode are Jason Gama and Tom Timko, our state insurance product officers here at Compere Financial. In this episode, we are going to cover a range of topics. It is timely. It's early November, so we need to talk about the fall harvest prices and how they compare to the spring prices for your crop insurance policy, which leads into a claim discussion. You never know where you might be in terms of production or how those prices might fall in. So we'll we'll touch on that. It's always a timely discussion when you think about yield losses and how that plays into versus revenue losses when it comes to your taxes. So we'll spend a little bit of time and talk about that option that you may have if you have a claim, as well as we'll dive into the conversation about premiums for your crop insurance policy and the interest that's attached to that policy. Then we'll spend a little bit of time talk about the farm bill and government programs because those are always timely conversations as the midterm elections are very near. So guys, let's jump right into our first topic here and talk about the fall prices. They were announced here just yesterday. Harvest price for corn, which is based off December futures, came in at 686. That's up almost a buck over the spring price, which was 590. And if you look at the soybean market the harvest price came in at 1381 which is roughly 50 cents over the spring which is for excuse me down 1433 we've been in this environment of prices going up 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 it's interesting to see soybeans actually be down 52 cents from the springtime for the crop insurance policy guys any direct reaction to those prices on this recent announcement tom you got something for us
1: yeah, a couple quick short thoughts on that, Thad. Uh, corn, obviously, you said the fall price is higher than spring price. That's a great example of um, if you did suffer a yield loss, uh, this is the part that takes a risk out of forward marketing or contracting your corn ahead of time. Okay, great example of that. soybean prices is lower, albeit it might only be $0.52. That's not a lot for beans. Uh, Technically, with a lower price, it takes more bushels to get back to the spring revenue guarantee that you had. But on beans, it doesn't work quite like corn. $0.52 move on corn, lower would be a big deal. On beans, that probably increases your bushel guarantee about 1.8 bushels roughly. Uh, Still... If you you have a loss, your short bushels is still going to help you as a producer. That's how I look at it. Um maybe I can just say this reminder remind a group when it comes from a tax perspective as a producer. If you suffer a yield loss, if you're one of those unfortunate people, check with your tax professional. Typically, yield losses, if you've got a habit of deferring grain from the current harvest to the next year, which most of us do, you should be able to uh, defer any type of yield crop insurance losses, which corn to represent totally. And soybeans, if you had yield losses, uh, the revenue loss could not be deferred typically, uh, but the yield loss portion of it would be able to uh, be deferred. So if you took the money in 2022, your accountant or tax preparer, if they advise you so, may be able to just defer that on paper.
0: Thanks, Tom, for that. That is a good reminder. The key that I heard you say was talk to your tax professional to make sure he or she advises you on what you can and can't do with those claims, especially when they're paid in the current crop year versus the following crop year, or calendar year, I should say. So we're talking about the claim being received. Jason, I'd like to transition you because of your extensive claims and audit background to talk with our audience a little bit about these different scenarios we have out there, right? We talked about prices being up on corn year over year and prices being down on beans, but as we know, with this continued drought throughout the Southwest and even parts in Illinois, Wisconsin, Minnesota, we will have losses. So share with our listeners some information you need to be aware of as we end the end of insurance period for crop insurance.
2: Yep. Tom talked about it just a little bit again, briefly the moment ago. I'll walk through a couple scenarios uh, so that examples, I should say, so that you get a good feel of what happens when the price goes up like it did on the corn side versus when prices go down like they did on the soybean side. So let's take uh, corn, for example, first, since prices set higher in the fall than they were in the spring, it takes a bushel loss, a yield loss to trigger a claim. Why? Uh, Because there's no price loss. Prices went up. So in that world, uh, it takes a yield loss. If there is a yield loss on the corn side of the house this year, then that loss in yield Per acre or per bushel, excuse me, uh, would get paid at that higher harvest price. So let's look at an example here and walk you through the math. Let's take a let's take a producer here uh, that has a 200 bushel APH, 200 bushel average APH. He buys or she buys an 85 percent level policy. So that means 85 percent of 200 bushel is 170 bushel guarantee. That's what you're guaranteed on your insurance policy. Since you bought a revenue protection policy, price protection's involved. So our spring price, as Thad mentioned, was 590 on corn, which gives you just over a thousand dollars of revenue on that uh, that policy. Our fall price came in higher at 686. That is 96 cents higher than the spring price. So let's say we have uh, harvested bushels at 160. Okay. So uh, since our bushel guarantee that the policy was set based off 85% of 200 is 170. And we end up harvesting 160 bushel an acre. That's a 10 bushel an acre loss. That 10 bushels would get paid out at the higher price, which was 686, which in this case would give us $68 and 60 cents per acre of an indemnity. So pretty simple. When prices go up, Uh, you have to have a yield loss and that yield loss will get paid at the higher harvest price. Pretty simple. When prices go down, like on the soybean side of things, Tom talked about it takes more bushels uh, to hit that guarantee. Totally true. In my world, I think of it more of a dollar uh, situation. So let's say we've got an example here. Uh, a producer has an APH of 60 bushel. He also takes an 85% level policy, so the bushel guarantee there is 85% of 60, which is 51 bushel to the acre. That 51 bushel had a spring price of $14.33, so that gives you a minimum revenue guarantee of $730.83. That's what you're starting out the year with from a revenue standpoint of $730.83 as a minimum. Now let's say we fast forward to harvest time, and let's say you actually produce 52 bushel an acre. Your guarantee is 51, but you produce 52 bushel an acre. So on the yield side of things, there is no loss. You produced one bushel higher than your guarantee. However, the price dropped. It went from 1433 down to 1381. So when you had a $730.83 revenue guarantee in the beginning of the year, at the end of the year, you harvested 52 bushel. At the harvest price, which is lower, $1,381, gives you an actual crop insurance farm revenue of $718.12, which is less than $730. So then you just take the $730 that you were guaranteed at the beginning of the year minus the $718 that you ended up harvesting, and it gives you a $12.71 loss per acre. So that's how I explain it. Um, pretty simple, though. And, uh, and the value that your revenue protection policy gives you uh, and the reason why you're purchasing it.
0: Thank you for that, Jason. I think uh, a lot of math there, a lot of numbers. That's the reality of the world we live in and deal with in-crop insurance. And making sure we do the math each and every day for each one of our clients because that's important for what we do. But if you're like me, too, and you heard that conversation, you're also like, it is a lot of math. And the good thing is you're... Compere insurance agent has tools and resources to actually walk through those scenarios, whether that be a grid or a math scenario to actually plug in the numbers and see the math for itself. Okay, let's switch gears. We talked about the claim side, but let's also talk about the policies that have been in place since the crop was planted this last spring. Premium is earned and owed. Tom, will you take a couple minutes here and talk with our listeners about premium payments and interest that's been attached.
1: Yeah, thank you, Thad. I'm going to make this short and simple because this is how I like to talk sometimes or communicate, I should say. Uh, multi peril premiums are due 11-30 of 22. RMA allowed a 60-day extension, just like they did the last couple years because of, we'll just call it the pandemic. Uh, if not paid, so let's say you paid on 12-1 or reaches them on 12-1. If not paid... Interest will attach, twelve one, which means those 60 days you paid, that interest is going to attach. Uh, my message is just make sure you get your premium sent in and paid uh, in the next week or so. That's my message.
0: For our listeners, let's be a little more realistic. Uh, right now, there's a lot of crop out there. You've got to identify what and when you'll make those payments. Just to understand the way the crop insurance program is set up the premium is earned the day you plant the crop, those bills will come out. And as Tom mentioned, the interest will accrue each and every month until we hit that March 15th for multi-apparel. And at that point in time, if the bill's not paid or a payment plan has not been set up with the AIP, then your policy will um, become void in the next crop year. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to your insurance agent. Ask those questions. All right. As we sit here in early November, as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, we are nearing the midterm elections, which also means, too, we're waiting to see post-midterm elections what happens with the House and Senate in terms of ownership control, because we are in the midst of a number of listening sessions, sessions, it's a hard word to say, on the farm bill. And so for our listeners here, just understand this. We have attended in the last Few weeks, a number of different sessions with industry groups, both in the farm credit side as well as industry partners, to really learn more about the farm bill. And we've engaged with some of the folks in both the House and the Senate. What I can tell you from a crop insurance perspective, the theme, do no harm to crop insurance, is very loud and very clear from both sides of the aisle, which is great for us in looking at how we best maximize subsidies and maximize the opportunity we have to have a good policy in place for our crops. So one thing I will say too, as we see January hit in early spring, and we anticipate those conversations on the farm bill to really ramp up through the spring and summer with a hopefully resolution towards this time next year. Sticking with the DC flavor on the topics, Tom, you being a resident farmer, you follow the government program side, ERP pretty closely. Anything new to add for our listeners in terms of what you're hearing and seeing in terms of government payments, just D.C. in general?
1: Yeah, just recently we had the opportunity, Thad, to listen to uh, maybe some people in the know as it pertains to ERP phase two. Um, Sounds like that's going to be delayed a little bit. So we're hoping maybe towards the end of this year of 2022. If not, at least we'll know more. Uh, but in, if you talk about some of the other funding opportunities out there, and I, I don't actually guarantee this is 100% accurate just so, just so you know. But the new AG funding is really meant to address climate this year. Uh, from what I read and look at, there's 24 billion in new spending. Some of that might be part of the Inflation Reduction Act, 20 billion for that, 3 billion for climate, smart commodities. Five hundred million for fertilizer production expansion programs, and then maybe for the typical producer, uh, six billion per year in the Farm Bill uh, for regular Farm Bill conservation funding. So we're talking equip, CSP programs, ASEP, RCPP, and CRP. Just know that if you're one of those that maybe have been looking at some of those programs with the NCRS. Um stay in touch with those people because i think you'll see more coming out in the next maybe the next few months uh hopefully some of those programs will be start to rolled out um and they're very active uh in those programs so if it if you're able to take advantage of it
2: why not Um, Yeah, Tom, thanks for that. Real quick on the ERP side of things. Phase one did happen. Uh, Those were attached to crop insurance indemnities. Very clean, very easy. If you received a crop insurance indemnity, uh, USDA attached those ERP phase one payments to that. Um, part two of phase one happened as well. That was based around the, uh, the area plans of insurance like SEO, ECO, what we're talking about now that is unsure is phase two, which is basically where a producer had those shallow losses, uh, was not, did not receive uh, an indemnity on them, didn't reach their guarantees Uh, but those shallow losses we uh, understand that phase two is going to be kind of self-certifying producers have the chance to go and and uh, prove that they had a loss albeit shallow and there's supposed to be some funds uh, attaching itself to that so phase two of erp and again like tom said we don't know anything more than that at this point uh uh, we're hoping and waiting to hear more uh, definitively here in the next couple weeks hopefully so we'll see where that goes
0: thank you tom thank you jason for that little conversation there one of the last topics we have is cover crop programs we anticipate expansion of that program i believe we've talked about it on this podcast before but it's worth noting for our listeners what to look for when it comes to that expansion of the cover crop program jason why don't you share a little bit with our listeners
2: yeah, exactly. So we think about cover crop programs that are out there. They've all shown up in the form of credits, um, so advantages and uh, to, to you know planting and promoting cover crops. I think that will continue. However, the plan that's been out there from a federal standpoint, PCCP, uh, the pandemic cover crop program, that money is out. It's done. Uh, there is no more COVID money uh, assigned currently to that PCC program, which is the federal cover crop program. It is important to outline, though, that a lot of the individual states, as well as some other private entities, private companies, are coming out with their own cover crop programs. So I would assume that the state-level cover crop Uh, Credits will continue to happen, and again, we talk about carbon neutral. There's big companies out there at the moment that are attempting to make these claims of being carbon neutral by X date. So they're also providing individual programs out there to producers to plant more cover crops so that uh, they can uh, benefit from that and and produce and show uh, cover crop neutrality, if that's if that's such a word. So I think the message I wanted to, to lay out again is the federal side of the cover crop program has ran out ran dry, but there will be more and more individual uh, programs out there to take advantage of if you're one that, uh, that does cover crops or looking to do cover crops.
0: All right. Thank you, Jason, for that cover crop conversation there. As we really think about wrapping up this conversation here today and leading us into the end of 2022 into 2023, a lot of options for you to consider on your operation moving forward. Obviously, the uncertainty with volatility, the prices the weather, input prices, supply chain, all those things are uncertainty. And when you think about your 2023 crop insurance decisions, it's not too early to be prepared for that. So if you've not been on compere.com, please check out our margin manager tool. That's a great resource for you to identify what you need to break even, what that cost production does, because that will be very helpful as we think about layering in the right risk management plan for you in 2023. So as we head into 2023, we're not going to hide from our approach of conversations we want to have with you, especially if you're a current client of Compeer or a future client of Compeer. We're going to go in and really talk to you about what's important to you, what's important to your operation, and then we're going to really dive into the farm bill discussion. That's really an important place to start with. That ARC PLC decision is very important because that leads into this discussion of purchasing SCO. That layered band of coverage is something that is a great subsidized option for you and your operation, but we want to understand what's important to you, ARC or PLC. And that will really drive our multi discussions in determining what is that right plan of coverage, plan in general, unit structure, all the things go with it to determine what your multi-parallel coverage would be. And then we'll talk about whether we want to add on ECO or private product, and then where the hail, the wind, the replant, those named peril products come into play. So that's our strategy. That's our lineup. It's a conversation. It's basically helping us understand what's important to you and how we provide you the best and most comprehensive risk management program to meet your needs. So with that, we will wrap up today's conversation. If you have not subscribed to this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe. If you haven't given us a rate, please give us a rate and leave a comment and we will talk to you next time. Thanks.